0: Hey there. Before we get to the conversation, we wanted to tell you about the Getting Smart Smart Update. Do you love hearing about new innovations in learning? Every week, we send out a newsletter blast to thousands of leaders in the field that highlights what we're thinking about, what we're excited about, and of course, the most innovative things in education. If you're not on the list yet, then we'd love to have you. Sign up for the newsletter at gettingsmart.com slash smart update. All right, let's jump in.
1: You are listening to the Getting Smart podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today Tom sits down with Brianni Chown, Director of High Tech High Elementary Explorer. Briani is a seasoned educator who is passionate about creating a better future of elementary education. She is going into her sixth year as Director of High Tech High Elementary Explorer and her ninth year with the Explorer team. Let's listen in as Tom and Brianni chat about what elementary schools could be international approaches to learning, and community-connected projects for young learners.
0: Bryony Town, w- welcome to the Getting Smart podcast.
2: Thank you, Tom. It's lovely to be here.
0: Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, I think you, you grew up in London, but you uh, how, how did you make it to the University of Sheffield?
2: Well, when... I was looking for colleges. I wanted to make sure that I went somewhere different so I could expand my knowledge of the UK. Sheffield's a very different place to London. It's a much more of a small town. It was devastated by the closure of the steel industry. And I wanted to see somewhere that I'd read about in the newspapers, but never actually been to before.
0: Uh, for our US audience, they may not know that um, that area of central England, but it's quite scenic, isn't it?
2: Absolutely beautiful, yes. It's right by the Peak District.
0: Uh, I look forward to visiting uh, visiting sometime soon. So you taught in London for a few years, and then how, how in the world did you hear about High Tech High?
2: Well, that's a good question. I started off teaching in London with very big dreams that I was going to help children to become deep thinkers, to learn more about the world around them, and to understand that, like, Every avenue that you look is a way to get more knowledge and to learn more about the world. And as I embarked on teaching, I realized that there was very little capacity to do that. The teaching was pretty prescribed. They focus on testing and children being at a certain level at a certain time was extremely narrow. And so I started looking around for something else. At first, I thought I needed to go to a different school. And I went to a couple of conferences and asked everybody there, well, what, what can I do if this isn't what Ofsted, which is the sort of regulator of teaching and learning in the UK, if this isn't what Ofsted believes, um, how can I have children do more authentic work, do work that really matters to them and like have this feeling about education where it's like a route to knowledge, a route to understanding about the world rather than a very narrow set of skills that you have to acquire out of in a, within a very short time frame. So um, at that point, my husband was working as an education consultant and he found out about High Tech High and we started talking more and more about actually seeing if we could come over here and see what it was like in action. So we had a very exciting year of applying to High Tech High and saying to ourselves, we might be in California at this time next year. And then of course we were delighted when we both got jobs. He came over as a 11th grade humanities teacher and I came over as a fourth grade teacher and it was such a transformation.
0: Was it, um, was it daunting beginning to teach in in what is uh, basically a feeder school to one of the world's most famous high schools?
2: Um, (laughs) Yes. it was not so much daunting. It was more of like this huge open possibility. It was very, very exciting challenge. I had taken a few of High Tech High Ideas um, and tried to do a mini project with my class in London. I've mm-hmm. done some student-led conferences with them and seen such a transformation with such a short, with such the small changes um, um, that coming to High Tech Elementary Explorer and realizing that, you know, this is what I could do all the time with students. I could have them learning about the world, um, getting out, listening to what their interests are, ex- exploring the community and um, analyzing, um, drafting and giving each other feedback. So all these things which I saw the impact in a small way on my class in London, I was able to do all the time. And it was just this incredible feeling of excitement. Um, and feeling very inspired by all the practices going on around me.
0: So you you taught um, at Explorer Elementary, which is sort of a feeder um, to to um, high-tech, high-tech middle and high-tech high, is it fair?
2: Yes, so we started off as a school which was affiliated with high-tech high. We're now fully part of the high-tech high family. So we're high-tech elementary Explorer now. And then yes children when they graduate go to middle school and high school with us.
0: Um, And does Explorer Elementary really share a set of design principles with High Tech Eye and if so how how would you describe those core design principles?
2: Yes, we we have the same design principles. They're first and foremost equity. We want to make sure that we are addressing the social and political inequalities and we are seeing education as a way to transform Um, student lives and experiences and also change people's perception of kids. Then we have personalization. We want to make sure that we're really looking at the individual child and designing the curriculum around them and their needs and their voice. Um, We want to make sure children are doing authentic work. That's the next design principle. So they are doing work that matters to them and matters to the world. And the last one is collaborative design. And that actually started off as teacher, as designer. And we realized that that didn't capture everything that we wanted to do. We want our teachers to be able to design curriculum and we want them to do that in collaboration with each other, but also collaboration with children as well.
0: At at Explorer um, Elementary, how how do you think about priority learning outcomes or student learning goals? How, How do you describe those? What you want children to know and be able to do?
2: We want children to, I think the best way of describing it is we want children to really self-actualize through doing work which is powerful, meaningful to them, authentic to them and to the community so that they feel like and know that they are key members of not just our school community, not just the San Diego community, but also the world community as well. So we want children to be able to make changes which can contribute um, to the world. We also want them to feel very equipped to tackle any challenge. You know, we we know that there are challenges ahead um, in our society and in the world that we don't, and we don't know what they are. So we want children to feel like they have the capacity to tackle anything. And some of that is knowing how to manipulate numbers and look at data. Some of that is knowing how to communicate, whether um, spoken communication or written communication as well. So we want them to be the very best that they can be. And we believe that every student has what it takes to do all of these things. Every child knows how to learn. The youngest child knows how to learn to walk. But sometimes we take that aptitude for learning when children come to school and we sort of disregard the learning that children can do by themselves and then try and put instead this sort of other type of learning, which doesn't start from the child and doesn't start from this respect for children um, and their vast capacity.
0: I think unlike other um, school networks and some leading school districts who um, construct elaborate, competency maps. I don't get the sense that the High Tech High Network has a really elaborate competency map, but in, instead in the in the more general ways that you've described, um, tries to promote student learning and growth. Is that fair?
2: Yes, and I think it all starts for us with what's happening in the real world. So uh, we look at um, what what skills children need to do a project which they're interested in and their teacher, AMA thinks that they um, should be working on as well. So for example, um, uh, our third graders recently were furious about the um, lack of equipment for third graders in our playground. So this is an example of of a very small change, but they designed and built playground equipment for our playground, which is still up and usable and safe for children to do today. Now, within the course of doing that, They had to learn mathematical skills, they had to learn building skills, they had to um, critique their ideas and get feedback. And um, uh, they had to communicate. They had to persuade me and to persuade the community to pitch in as well. So we look at the skills that children need in order to achieve what they want to achieve. We set a very high bar for what they should be doing and then we help them to get there. So it's all grounded in and what they need to learn because then the learning is really relevant for them and then it's sticky and what what their individual like growth area is as well because of course not every child's work will look the same but we have very high expectations of all of our children and we're constantly thinking about how we can help them to get there. Another example would be a city planning project where children redesigned a city and talked to waste management experts and talked to logistics experts and re- designed a city system which addressed some of the problems of San Diego. And the standards were set by the experts that they spoke to. So they spoke to people who are expert architects, they spoke to people um, who are involved in transportation, and they created a rubric of what success would look like. And they learned, and then they made sure they matched that. So we take, we take tasks which are meaningful to children, which people don't always believe elementary schoolers can do. And we make sure that the standards we are setting are the standards that are out there in the community, in the real world.
0: Many of the projects at Explorer end in a, some kind of a presentation of learning. In fact, I think some of your students have even um, published um, books and articles, is that right?
2: Yes, that's right. We always want to make sure that there is some kind of product which is transformational, either to the students themselves or to the community. And we will always make sure that we have an exhibition to share that work. We don't believe that the best work we do lives between the pages of an exercise book. Um, The best work that we do is something that other people see. And if we're saying that children can make a difference, we want to show the community that as well so every project ends in an exhibition at an exhibition we invite the community in we invite the most important people in children's lives which are their parents their grandparents they come into sc- the school um, or to a place which is relevant to the project um, and, and they share what they did what were the challenges how they um, uh, approach those challenges and then uh, um they defend their work as well.
0: Uh, Brian, if I was gonna visit one of your third or fourth grade classrooms, um, maybe describe what that might look like. Would all the students be working on the same project or um, would there be different versions of the project? How, how might that look?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, all children would be working on the same project, but each, Um, a child would be approaching it slightly differently. So uh, we believe in a culture of critique and revision, and we know that it's much more powerful to do if everyone isn't doing something that is completely individualized. So we want to make sure that children are engaged in a shared purpose, um, that they have the opportunity to really learn from each other, and they can go really deep um, uh, with that learning. And so um, uh, what we have found is that when children have that shared purpose, they're doing all the things which we put in place in the project. So they're going to each other and asking for critique. So if you'd walk into a third grade class, you would see children sitting around the room, some of them working individually, some of them working in groups. You'd see them asking each other for advice and feedback on the work that they were doing. Um, uh, You would have a hard time finding where the teacher is because the teacher is involved in the work just as much as the children is so you wouldn't see the teacher up at the front giving directions of course it looks a little bit different with COVID at the moment but in general um, it's always very hard to find our teachers because they're right there involved working with some children critiquing their ideas um, helping them take the next steps towards the project that they're working on
0: um, how would you, for a, a prospective parents of a kindergartner, how would you describe your approach to developing literacy?
2: So literacy is all about communication and it's all about um, analyzing information and analyzing communication that is coming to you. So uh, uh, we've just had kindergarten orientation or kindergarten welcome events recently. Um, um, and while we want to make sure that children, they know how to write because you can't communicate your ideas unless you have those tools um, at your disposal. So our children um, practice writing, but they write for a purpose. They ha- We have phonics instruction, and that happens for a purpose as well, because we want children to be able to communicate their ideas, to share their thinking. Last year, our kindergartners were working on a musical to share more about the bugs that they found in our garden. So we take things that are very interesting to kindergartners and we work on, well, how can we make something which starts with their interests, in this case, bugs, um, be more broadly known to more people. So it's always focused on that communication piece. It's always focused on something which um, uh, matters to the kids um, um, and helps them to expand on their ideas.
0: What's it like to be a teacher at, uh, at Explorer Elementary?
2: Well, um, uh, in my experience, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, because you, as I said earlier, you have all this opportunity to teach um, um, into your passions and your students' passions as well. And it's, it's like nothing I ever experienced in education beforehand. Um, um, I think that our teachers are phenomenally talented they work incredibly hard to hear student voices to design experiences um, for children that um, uh, really capture their imaginations and bring out all of their different skills so it is an experience it's it's hard work because you I think you never switch off because it's so close to your heart what you're doing but it is absolutely wonderful.
0: How do your teachers experience community both within your school, but also within the network?
2: So we meet to collaborate several times a week. Teachers um, um, collaborate during their planning time. And we want to make sure that teachers have that time, not just to think about the what of their classroom, but also the why of their classroom so that people are learning from each other. Of course, we learn from each other by looking at student work. We learn from each other, we tune out the projects that we do. And what we mean by that is that when a teacher has a project idea, they bring it to their colleagues and they ask for feedback. So they share that they're thinking about doing a project about X and they share some ideas about it that they're thinking of. Uh, People ask some questions and then they remove themselves from the conversation and just listen to their colleagues discussing it. And it's such an inspiring process because you get so many ideas. And we want to make sure that every project that we do um, contains the genius within all the staff from all the staff within the school.
0: In in what ways do you um, engage parents, inform parents? How, how ideally are they involved?
2: there are so many different ways I would say the most powerful one is exhibition so when parents come in to see the work I, that's when that like the penny drops and like it clicks into face like oh this is what you're doing with my student with my child and um, this is where you're going to so we always say when a new family joins us like the relationship deepens after they've come to one of our exhibitions however there's multiple um, touch points along the way before that so i a we share the project with parents. Sometimes we even tune the projects with parents as well because we want to get their feedback. And then uh, one of my favorite pieces is inviting parents in as experts. So uh, I remember in my fourth grade classroom, and this happened recently with the third grade playground project. We had some. We ha- I had a child whose dad had had a really hard time at school, and he really hadn't stepped foot into the building since his son had come to school because his own experiences of school had been so negative. And my class at the time were doing a project where we were building um, screens and different items of furniture um, for a project around the refugee experience and the immigration experience. And so I put out a call to families asking if anyone was a woodworking expert. And we had several families come in who had never seen themselves as experts, had seen themselves as being very separate from school and they came in and taught the students. And I heard from the parents and from the children how transformational it was to see their parents coming in and teaching other children and seeing their skills valued as well. So whenever possible, we're, we're bringing in parents every step of the way um, uh, as teachers.
0: Bryony, how do you think about your job as a school leader, particularly within the the Heizer-Kai system?
2: I think it's a very collaborative position. Um, um, You know, I'm passionate about the projects that teachers do with students. So I always see myself as a co-designer of those projects with teachers. Um, But I want to make sure that the teachers are making decisions as well. So we talk a lot about the um, challenge of leading, leading from the front and leading from behind, um, making sure that we're creating space for teachers to collaborate with each other, to collaborate with students, and um, to make big decisions that affect the school, while also making sure that we're not adding to people's workload too much because it can be exhausting making every decision. So we're <laughs> trying to find that happy medium where teachers have the opportunity to be inspired to get out into the community, to bring that back to their students and then to have those conversations around how we can best design projects that support that natural inquisitiveness and capacity for deep thought in students.
0: What What about your own learning? Um, how, how do you continue to grow as a professional and is is that aided by being part of a, a network that happens to also have a uh, its own graduate school of education
2: oh tremendously so uh, it's funny i shared with my teachers this week that i am happiest when i am like actively learning as well i am someone who values learning enormously and so the fact that we have the gse the graduate school of education the fact that we have we host the deeper learning conference at High Tech High as well, which is just a tremendous event. It's like a festival for progressive educators. Um, um, all of those things, but I, I think the deepest learning that I have comes from when I get into classrooms and I see what's happening with students and what they're working on, and ask hear their the questions that they're asking as well, because we can always learn more. From the children in our building, and from the children that we're teaching, because they're always going to have a different approach to one that we've ever thought about. And then, of course, to answer the second part of your question, you know, being a network of progressive schools, being part of High Tech High, is always a learning experience. There are so many amazing educators who have come here from around the world um, uh, to learn from each other, to seek out what does it mean to truly learn, um, and in a way which is different with students in a way where children are are not engaged in school as we think about it, but in work that really matters to them.
0: All right, last question. Um, This is a cocktail party question. Um, A parent wants to know they're moving to a new town and they're evaluating different elementary schools. What should they look for? How how would they know uh, which is the most effective school for their uh, for their child? Would it be data that they would look at? Would it be um, look for as in a, in a visit? How, how do you know whether uh, a, an elementary school is a, is a good school?
2: I always say to parents when they come to our school that you need to trust yourself. You know your child, and so going into the school, walking through the school buildings, seeing the type of work that is up on the walls. Like what does the school value? Does it value like rows of identical work or does it value work which is um, deeply individualized and really high quality, Um, but also very student-centered too. So look at the work on the walls, listen to what children are doing, ask them questions, ask them what they're doing and why. I think that's probably the the biggest thing that will tell you about what, what the school is like is hearing from the children and hearing what they're doing and why it's important.
0: That's a beautiful answer and uh, because I visit high uh, schools frequently I can vouch for the the student work on the walls. It's uh, really the best art network in the world where students produce just extraordinary um, expressions of who they're becoming. I think that's my favorite thing about visiting uh, your school and the other schools in the network?
2: Oh, thank you. Um, Our children take great pride in it and so do our teachers.
0: Uh, We've been talking to Bryony Chown. She's the principal uh, head of school at Explorer Elementary. It's part of the High Tech High network in San Diego. Uh, Thanks for being with us on the Getting Smart podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Tom.
1: Thanks to Briony for joining us today. We appreciate her dedication to making elementary school a place of wonder, inspiration, and care. For more information on early development, check out episode 217, How Educators Can Positively Impact a Child's Cognitive Development with Dr. Pamela Cantor. You can find a link in the show notes and on the blog. All right, listeners, that's it for today. Thanks again for joining us for the Getting Smart Podcast. This is Jessica signing off.